Father, I just want to ask that as I speak, that our hearts will be focused on you. That all glory will be given to your son, Jesus, our saviour, our king. That it's not the words, but him who would be the centre of our attention. That we would be drawn closer to him. And desire to know him more fully, more deeply, more comprehensively than we have done before. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. It keeps happening to me that I have things planned that I think that I might talk about on a particular weekend. And then... As I'm worshipping during the week, as I'm praying, the Holy Spirit changes it. And so he, uh, Thursday morning, I think it was, he, he told me that I wasn't going to preach on what I'd planned and I was raving to go on, but I was going to follow up uh, what Ho Olive talked about last week. So I'm going to talk about, and, and just basically I got a title, which is really helpful, isn't it? Thank you, Jesus, you gave me a title. And the title's one thing. So now you go, well, how, what, what, do I do, what do I need to do with that? Because he said, that's what I want you to talk about. And so here's the point. And it's a big point, so we need to hear it. This really is all about Jesus. You know, we can talk about so many things within the body of Christ. And we do talk about so many things within the body of Christ. And they're not bad things. But when we get away from Jesus, they become divisive things. When we get away from Jesus, we tend up talking about things that divide us on little points and fine points and my model of church that I want to see and, and all these different things. And then we argue about them as if it really matters. When the only thing that really matters is that we see Jesus and we know Jesus. Because it's that relationship he's invited us into. Jesus didn't come so that we might do church. Church is a good thing. But he came so that we might know him. He said, this is eternal life, and you can have it straight away. You can enter into it right now, and eternal life is that they might know me. And just as I'm in the Father, they will be in me, and they will be one with me. And you see, here's, here's the problem with that. We're not living it. Within the body, it's so rare. This thing that Jesus prayed for is so rare in the body because we've focused on all the things that divide us and, and our goals and our visions and our plans and our strategies that we miss Jesus. 
And when we miss Jesus, we miss the one thing that anchors everything and is at the center of everything. And you know, there's, there's so much going on in our world, isn't there? There's probably quite a lot going on in your own world. All of different sorts of things. And we, you know, just listening to the Truth Quest, uh, ladies, the, the thing is that they all went through stuff in that year. And we all go through stuff, don't we? And when we go through that stuff, it's easy for that stuff to dominate and to is loose, for us to lose sight on Jesus. And so we, we have a pattern in our faith when that happens, that our faith goes up and down depending on our, how we feel and the circumstances that are around us and what's happening in life. And right across the, the, the Western world, the church has experienced that because people gave up on God or their version of God or their version of Christianity because COVID came along. And it was no longer comfortable. And here's the problem. If that was the strength of our faith and it didn't survive discomfort, what will it do when it's experiences persecution and that that troubles me and, and i don't want us to be unprepared now we might all have different views on timescales and what will happen but i think we would all agree that there's something up in the world that we are not living through a normal cycle of things and we are closer than ever to his return but we have to be prepared for his return you see when he returns both the spirit and the bride say come That means the longing of the heart of the church is just for Jesus. And we are crying out for him to come. Our one desire is to see Jesus. And when, when that happens, all this garbage we call flesh will have just been stripped away and we'll look like him. So I want you to go with me to some a reflection of David when everything around him was crumbling when everything that he'd expected to happen didn't happen how he'd planned it. And his enemies were out to bring him down. So I'm going to go to Psalm 27. Psalm 
And then I'm going to share with you, with you some stuff that the Holy Spirit was showing me as I was looking at this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So who shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? See, when we have fear, when we are afraid, when we're anxious, it's because we've got our eyes off Jesus. Because we can't fix everything about our lives. We cannot control everything in our life. And without Jesus, that's a really worrying scenario. And so the, 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 the great key here is to keep our, learn to keep our eyes on Jesus. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart will not fear. The war may rise against me. In this, I will be confident. Here we go. One thing I have desired of the Lord. One thing I have desired of the Lord. This is what he desires. Now, here's my question. What have we desired over the last couple of years? What's been the focus of our attention? One thing I have desired of the Lord, that that will I seek. And here it is. I will dwell, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire his temple. For in this time of trouble... He shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me, and he shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said... Seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. And right now, Jesus is saying, seek my face. Jesus is saying, I want my church back. I want you back. I want you to rediscover that first love that you had for me. And then having rediscovered that first love, I want to show you how we can go deeper. And so we've got this picture, haven't we? We've got a picture of, of David. And uh, he's got enemies all around him. And they're encamped. He's, he's kind of surrounded. He's, he's, he's got it coming on all sides. Ever feel like your life's a bit like that or has been a bit like that? Like just one, you get over one thing and the next thing comes along. 
And to top it all off, people had deserted him. So not only was his enemies coming for him, but his friends had deserted him. War was coming. And war is coming. When Jesus will defeat all his enemies. So basically what we can say here is David's going through something big. And he's not really in the best of natural circumstances to deal with it. And in the midst of that, what happens is he starts to reflect on what I would call the mission statement of his life. In other words, what's it all about to walk with God? What's it all about to call myself a Christian? What's it all about to live out this life in the way that I'm supposed to live it out and I'm able to live it out because I've got the Holy Spirit? So what is it about my life? What should be my life's mission statement? When I die, will, will people have recognized about me? I get to do quite a lot of funerals being a pastor. And one of the things that you, you realize is that at funerals, we, we go through all the list of things that people have done in their life and, and people give reflections. But I'm yet to hear the words that we know what that person was about because they made Jesus one thing. I've heard lots about achievements, but you know, achievements don't last beyond this life. Relationship with Jesus is what lasts beyond this life. This is where our treasure goes. This is where our heart goes. And so he's got all this stuff going on and he's reflecting on what's, what's, what's the thing that matters. And he says, it's one thing. Not several things. Not I've got a list. It's one thing matters. One thing truly matters in this life. And of, and of all the things that he could ask God for in the midst of this trouble... He asks for this one thing. And I, I was kind of reflecting on this, and I, I wrote down, like, when you've got troubles, what do you ask for? When the world's just not fitting together, what do you ask for? Now, being a godly person, as you like to see yourself, one of the things that I have on my list is, Jesus, fix it. Jesus, rescue me from this. Or, Jesus, take it away. 
And, and I started working down these lists of these things. Jesus, sort them out. Jesus, do this. And I realized that when I go down my list, it's all about the thing that's the issue and the problem. See, I don't want to make things little. We, we all have all sorts of stuff that has disappointed us, that has hurt us, that has disillusioned us, discouraged us, worried us. Some cases ripped our hearts. So what can we learn? What 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 would the Holy Spirit say to that? Because we're in the midst of that, we're crying, take it away, fix it, rescue me, do all these things. What would the Holy Spirit say? Here's what David learned. David learned, if I could just simplify it all and funnel it all down to one thing, then I've got something I can work with in my life. I've got hope. So he simplifies it down to this one thing. Everything's gone wrong in my life. There's all this stuff that's happened to me. I've had a terrible life. And he funnels it down and he just says, if I can just be with Jesus, if I can just hear him, and if I can hear what he's got to say to me, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. See, all comes back to Jesus. We have many things that we've done over the years to try and help people process all sorts of things. And the one thing that I've learned is that the only thing that actually helps anybody in the end is them finding Jesus and finding that, that real Trust and confidence in Jesus. And in a way, when David wrote this psalm, he was actually reflecting back to a time when he'd done these one things. He'd been in the courts, he'd been in the temples, he'd spent time in the presence of God. He, he'd, he'd heard the Lord's voice, he, he'd, he'd felt the, the, the presence around him. And, and what he's saying is, is not just fuddle everything down to this one thing when you're in the middle of the troubles, but fuddle everything down to this one thing as a lifestyle before you ever get to them. Because when you get to them, you'll be able to remember what it feels like to be in that place and you'll be able to get back into that place so much quicker. 
And ideally what he's saying is, I want to live from that place. Because you can't stop problems. You can't stop stuff coming. You can't stop other people behaving the way other people behave. But you can do this one thing. So what does he say? Well, he uses certain words, doesn't he? He says, that I might dwell in your house forever. Dwell in your house forever. What does it mean? It's nice, isn't it? To dwell in your house forever. And there's, like the minute you say that, I don't know if it's happened to you, but like two or three songs have just come into my head. And there's, there's another one, isn't there? It isn't from this psalm, which is, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. It really is better to be in the presence of Jesus for one day than a thousand days of your life spent without him. The pleasures and things this world has to offer are nothing compared to just one day with him. That's what he's offered us. That's what he died to give us. You know, we talk about Christianity being relationship and not religion and yet for many of us and we've lived most of our life with it being religion but still say well be a christian because it's relationship and not religion no it really needs to be about relationship and so he says right i'm going to dwell i want to dwell in your house forever i'm going to dwell in your house and and what what is what does that mean well when somewhere's your house when you've you, you dwell there, it becomes the root of your identity. So even though I'm in the, the heathen south, I'm a sanctified northerner because my roots are northern. And, you know, despite the fact that, that you, people here all have lovely accents, I have not changed my accent at all. Why? Because that's my root. That's who I am. It's where I dwell. I will always be a northerner because that's where I dwell. And, and so what it's saying is that that imprint, that voice, that way of seeing the world is by, is, should be a reflection of where we live. And where we live is to be with Jesus. And more than that, this place where he says to dwell, where you dwell, so I now dwell in the south. It's where you put down roots. When I first came to Cambridge, we, we were only coming, I was coming for a three-year assignment. And it didn't turn out like that. So we put roots down and we've been here now for 22 years. And we've been in our current house longer than any other house we've ever, I've ever lived in. And we still have not put one light fitting up that we said we'd do the day we moved in. Because I'm sure when we put it up, we'll move. So, so as a protest, we're not putting this light fitting up. 
I'm not re I'm not talking about this is somewhere where we shelter. This is Jesus isn't somebody you run to just on hard times. Although he cares and he'll help you in the hard times. But Jesus and, and, and dwelling with Jesus is about the culture that you have in your life. And what David is saying and what we need to say is, Jesus, you are where I belong. I am not of this world. Jesus, you are where I belong. You see, here's what David knew, and we need to know. When you have Jesus, you will find the answer to every question. Without Jesus, you will have questions. With Jesus, you will find the answer to every question. Why? Because he is wisdom to us. He knows the answers. He knows what we need at any moment, at any point of our life. And, and, and so it's so tragic when we rely on us. And we rely on others like the church. And we rely on organizations. And we rely on Auntie Betty, who's like the oldest in the family, because she must have the wisdom because she's old. Just ignore the fact she messed her life up, but now she's old, she must have the reasons. Everybody has wisdom, but it's the world's wisdom, and Jesus is offering us his wisdom. And that means that as creator of the universe and the one who is above every power, principality, and so on, the one who, within whom creation dwells, the one who all of creation is for, if we find Jesus, we find the answers we need to what we face within that creation. Just want to uh, go quickly to another psalm. You, you, don't, you don't need to turn to it. But it's psalm 52, verse 8. Again, a familiar verse. It says, I am like a green olive tree planted in the house of God, and I will trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise you forever because you have done it, and in the presence of your saints, I will wait on you for your name, for it is good. What's the point for us in that? When you were born again, you were changed. The Holy Spirit became one with your spirit. You were given a new heart. He took out the, the hard heart, the dead heart, and he gave you a living heart. And as part of that heart, your spirit is joined to his spirit. That means your old circuit board was taken out and you were given a new operating system. So you're now designed to operate in a different way from people who don't know Jesus. And the place 
that that new operating system flourishes, where the humidity is right, the temperature is right, the, the, the ambience is right, and all the rest of the things that these delicate little tech instruments need, the place that your new operating system flourishes is called the presence of Jesus. Because that's where you talk with him. That's the input for the new operating system. It's where you look at him. That's the visuals of the new operating system. It's, it's where you, you can run to him when stuff goes wrong to find the answers that you need. The place that you... Your new operating system flourishes. The new you flourishes is in finding the one thing, which is the presence of Jesus. Are you still with me? And in that place, you'll change. You know... Um, People talk about the fruit of the Spirit, like, what fruit have you got? What? I'm really good at peace, but I'm not very good at patience. And, you know, these sort of things. The fruits of the Spirit are not goals to be aimed for. They're not things to obtain. The fruit of the Spirit in your life Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How many people in the room do not want those? Okay, how many want those? How many things we could do with a whole lot more of that in my life and everybody else's life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Here's the point. They are not found by trying harder. They are found as the fruit of something dwelling within you called the Holy Spirit, meeting the one you dwell with called Jesus. And in that place, you transform. You change. You become someone different. Someone who, when everything is going wrong and everybody's deserted to you, say, I turn to you, Jesus. My life is simple. It all comes down. I funnel it right down to you, Jesus. And then... then David uses this next word. He says, to seek after. So that was dwelling. And then he says, seek after. What does that mean? What does it mean to seek after? Well, it's not just about asking. It's about purposing your energies towards it. That's what the, the original words mean. Purpose your energies towards it. Well, that's great, Mark. But what does it mean to purpose your energy towards something? Well, here's what it means. It, it means you can just take a little check on this. What's using up all your energy at the moment? Where's it going? What's got your time? What's got your attention? Because that's what you purposed your energy towards. And David said, no, 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 
That energy needs to go towards finding Jesus. That's the priority. That's the one thing that makes everything else okay. If you can find that one thing and purpose your energy to that one thing, it's going to be fine. Whatever comes towards you. It's what you give your attention to. What you listen to. Who you listen to. Who you hang out with. And I go down that list and I think there's so much of my energy where Jesus is missing. He's missing from that part of my life. I need him in that part of my life. This is not about excluding the rest of your life. It's about living that life in the presence of Jesus. Because you know him. And you know, one of the things that, I've probably said this before, is that if I just walk in on a Sunday morning, having spent no time with Jesus during the week, and no time preparing my heart before I stand up here, <clears throat> you will get a talk. I don't want you to have a talk. Because what good's that? Okay, it's, it's okay. Because I was trained in how to talk. I'm naturally an introvert. I don't talk naturally. So when I'm not doing this sort of thing, you probably all think I'm really rude because I don't say anything. But I'm just quiet. And, and so I'm quite an introvert. But I was trained as part of my job to talk and do presentations. You know, the, the whole TED Talk stuff and all that sort of stuff. And I can do that. But it's not going to change your life beyond what you can read in a newspaper article. The point here is that we see Jesus, that, that <clears throat> the words go beyond words to touch the heart. That, that Jesus gets our attention. Not the vision of the church or all these other things that we seem so keen on talking about, but Jesus gets our attention. And it might not be entertaining, but the point's to be life-changing. And the two are not the same. We need to understand that. The two are not the same. And then David uses these words, he says, that I might gaze. I might gaze. So what does that mean? It means, so that I may, the, the, the original language means this, that I may contemplate with inner pleasure. I like that. I kind of like the idea of inner pleasure. That I might contemplate with inner pleasure. And I'll just, I'll caveat that. That is not 
navel-gazing. It's not self-centered looking. It's not looking inward to find the, the bits that are messy in order so you can try and sort yourself out. That's called new age. That's called self-help. What it is, is focusing your heart on a sustained basis with the intention of appreciating the glory of Jesus. I'll say that again. It's focusing your heart on a sustained basis with the intention of appreciating the glory of Jesus. It's, it's making a shift where we discipline our minds for a time, maybe each day, that we are not thinking about ourselves, but we are thinking about Jesus. And, and that's kind of hard, I found, because it's so easy when everybody in the world is thinking about themselves and they're telling you you should think about yourself as well. You know, God helps them that helps themselves. That's not actually biblical. But, you know, when we live in a self-centered, selfish ambition world, it's not that easy to just switch your thinking to Jesus. But it's something we have to do intentionally and deliberately. That means setting aside a place and a time. And, and it takes quite a while at first to get into the presence of Jesus. You know, some people come and they say, well, it doesn't work for me. And you say, well, how long did you try? Well, I've been doing it for a week now. Nothing happened to me for a week. It says wait upon the Lord. Well, waiting can be quite a while. But the longer you wait, you start to recognize the ways of God and the ways that are you. It talks about having your spiritual senses trained by reason of use, doesn't it? So we wait on the Lord. And the more we wait on the Lord, we find the easier it is and the quicker it is to get into his presence. Now, does that mean I hear something every time I spend time with Jesus? No. I very rarely hear anything. I get, like, you're going to talk about one thing. Now get your Bible out. That's what I get. Or I'll get a few words. Why is that? Because... I'm discovering what David's discovered, which is just sitting in the presence of Jesus and being with him is enough. And I just assume now if he's got something to say to me, he'll say it. Otherwise, I'm just going to sit there like a, like a little kid in my sandbox building sandcastles with Jesus. And you know what? He's happy about that. And if he wasn't happy about it, he'd interrupt me and say something. Because that's what he does. And, it, and it's a different rhythm. And, and, and we, can, we can feel so disappointed that we haven't heard like a, I don't know, 10-minute treatise on something. When in reality, Jesus said, I'm just happy sitting with you. You know, Sean and I have been married for 35 years, and we've got to the point now that we don't talk. 
much. In fact, in an evening, we're happy just sat in the same room. It's not a stress. It's we actually enjoy just being in the same room. And we might, you know, I might do the occasional grunt and show a little, say the occasional thing. But it's just nice to be with each other. And Jesus enjoys that relationship with us. That's called intimacy rather than conversation. And so we move from conversation to intimacy. How do you gaze on Jesus? Well, you have eyes. Not these ones. The Bible says you have eyes in your heart. May the eyes of your heart be opened. May the eyes of your understanding be opened. The Bible talks about how we have eyes in our heart. How do we engage with Jesus? We let him move by his spirit on the eyes of our heart. Obviously, the church in Ephesus had a bit of a problem with that. That's why Paul says, I'm, I'm praying for you that the eyes of your understanding might be open and that you might know the length, the depth, the breadth, the height of, of the love of God and being rooted and grounded in love and all these sort of things. So they were having a problem with that. And Paul prays for them. That means he expected it as the norm that they would have this relationship with Jesus where they knew him, where they saw him, where they, 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 they began to have this, these impressions of his beauty and his glory and his love and his power and his strength. And, it, and it, he would become real to them. And, it, and it, he's becoming real to us. And then David uses his last word, and it's inquire, that I might inquire at his temple. What does it mean to inquire? It's more than, yes, it's asking, but it means to look into something so that you can understand it better. To go and structure or ask your questions in a way that increases your understanding. And Jesus delights in his doing that with our time with him, asking him questions. You see, just like David, he knows that we're facing all sorts of things. He knows that individually we've been through all kinds of things. And as a church, we've been through all kinds of things. And he knows that. And he knows, listen to me. Some of you need this. He knows that you have been hurt by many things. And you find it hard to get over those things. 
And his desire is that in that, you would inquire of him. Jesus cannot, will not, and does not uh, enter into this. He will not change your past. Even though he's outside time, he's not, he doesn't change your past. But he can change your future. And so he wants us to inquire of him. How does he see it? How does he feel about what's hurt you? What does he say to you right now? What is he doing in the midst of it all? And David comes to this. He says, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. He's waiting there right now. And whenever you, you seek him, whenever you gaze upon him, whenever you set the intentions of your heart on him, he's waiting there right now to remind you He's your father. He's your savior. He's your king. He's your wisdom. You're his child and you are fine with him. You are fine with him. So like David, we, we funnel it all down. We, we take that disappointment, that the problems, the hurt, the pain, the discouragements, the challenges, the circumstances, the relationships, the people, and we funnel it all down to this one thing. Jesus, with you, I'm fine. And with you, I can find the answers to what I need. So that my past will no longer dictate my future. Jesus, you can change my future so it doesn't look like my past anymore. This is the question that he's asking us. What's, what's our focus? What's our attention? What do we run to? What, where, where are our thoughts? Where's the, the expenditure of energy in our life? Where's our gaze? What are we seeing? What are we looking at? And where the answer's not Jesus, we need to move it to Jesus. Because we need a simpler life. This, this complicated life, this complicated logic, this complicated culture that we've absorbed will not see us through what is to come. Only knowing Jesus can do that. Let's stand. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray what Paul prayed. 
see Ephesians. Because, you know, the thing is, sometimes pastoring is impossible. Oh, well, that's not very encouraging, Mark. Should I get a new pastor? No, they've got the same problem. Pastoring is impossible because I'm not clever enough, I'm not bright enough, I don't have all the answers. And sometimes we try and come up with all these formulas to say, if you do this, if you do that, if you do that, then your relationship with Jesus will improve. Well, I've just burnt all my formulas. That's it. That, that's, that's the limit of my knowledge. You're going to have to rely on the Holy Spirit. You get that? The, the Holy Spirit is the only one who can show you how to worship and live and have relationship with the only one who is worth having relationship with. That's why Jesus gave him to us. Jesus specifically says, I am sending the Holy Spirit so that he can show you of what is mine. And take what is mine and explain it to you. And he will glorify me. The Holy Spirit is the one designed and knows how to introduce us to Jesus. Not at this superficial level where, where we have a lecture, where we get more information, but at a level where our hearts are drawn to him and we dwell with him and we gaze on him and we see his beauty. We say, Jesus, you are absolutely beyond anything I knew you were. But I also know you're still so much more than that. So let's pray. For this reason, the reason I've just explained, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. This is for everybody who is a follower of Jesus that he would grant you, that he would grant you, you who are here this morning and you who are listening online, not according to your limitations or my limitations as a pastor, but according to his riches in glory, that you would be strengthened with might through his spirit in your inner man. that Jesus Christ himself will dwell in your hearts through faith and that you've been rooted and grounded in his love may be able to comprehend, may be able to see, may be able to gaze upon you, gaze upon, may be able to just get grasp for the first time with all the other saints, what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, 
and to know the love that Jesus has for you. Because that love passes knowledge. So, Lord, I pray for more than knowledge. I pray for a Holy Spirit revelation written right straight to our hearts. So that you might be filled with all the fullness of the presence of God. So now to him who is able to do abundantly, exceedingly, above everything that I've just said and everything that Paul prayed and everything we've just prayed for, Lord, you are the one who exceeds our expectations. You are the one who is able to go beyond anything we can conceive with our minds, conceive with our intellect and conceive with our understanding. You are able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we have just asked for. According to your spirit who is at work within us. And so, Lord, let my life, let everything come down to this one thing. Let it come to this thing. that to Jesus be the glory for my life. Let Jesus have all the glory in our church. And let his glory go to others and all generations so that his name is lifted above all. Jesus. One king, one saviour, one message. Written on our hearts. Jesus. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just start to give him thanks. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you. Just start to tell him that you, if you want that for yourself, you start to tell him that right now. You, you start to seek his face. You start to, to inquire how this is going to happen. How, how, how can I have that? You know, I, I'm, this is a learning thing. I'm asking every day. I'm inquiring is his temple. What's next, Jesus? What's next? What, 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 what do we learn next? What are you going to show me next? What, what is it about me that needs to get out of the way, Lord, so I can see you more clearly? Because if it needs to get out of the way, I'm giving it to you, Jesus. I'm giving it to you right now. I'm yielding it to you. And that, that thing that right now that's tugging on my heart and you're saying, give it to me. And I'm going, I'm not really sure I want to. I'm giving it to you, Jesus. I'm just determining. I override that, that thing in my flesh and I override it. And I say, just take, just take it, Jesus. I don't want it if it gets in the way of you. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I want to be there. I want to be the spotless bride that says come. Show me how, Lord. Show me how. Show me how. Show me how. Show me how. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. So you just take that now. You take it by faith. And you do it. You live it. Let's just give him thanks. Let's praise him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You don't seem very thankful. Let's give him thanks. <laughs> praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you. Amen. If... Uh, You haven't read your notices. You need to read your notices um, because next week is our Easter extravaganza. And Jules did such a good job of the notices that if you haven't found out quite actually what happens when you start pressing on things in the notices, you need to go and press the little things in the notices because she was very excited. She, I've had emails saying, oh, I'm very excited about the notices this week. So if Jules can get excited about notices, you can get excited about notices. And it would be great if absolutely everybody in Faith Life family could actually be here all on the same week next week. Because it is Easter. And we to, to help you with that, we will be bribing with Easter eggs. And for adults, we will be bribing with Easter egg chocolate brownie and mini egg chocolate brownie. And we will have the return of the refreshments table. First time post-COVID, a thing to celebrate. But it will be serve yourself and don't sneeze at anybody. So have a good week. We'll see you next week. If you uh, want to put anything in the offering, either for Ukraine or just your regular offering or a gift for this morning, uh, the basket's next to the door. You've got envelopes near you uh, or there's envelopes next to the basket. If it's for the Ukraine stuff that we're doing, write Ukraine on the envelope. And have a great week. Amen.